I have some instructions for you today as I, as I teach this, and I'm honored to teach it. Um, my title today is going to be Fatherhood. Fatherhood. And I, I really wanted to set myself up just to talk for a few minutes and share some things with you. Um, my mom, obviously, an incredible woman. Uh, everyone's mom is incredible. My dad, I watched him, and I'm studying him more. He died when I was young, but I'm studying him through my older brothers and sisters. You're talking about a man who had, um, a man who had 14 children, uh, and 12 of them with my mother. So 14 kids, 12 of them with my mother. And I, as a little boy, I got to see sort of his relationships with them, my older siblings. I have uh, siblings that would be uh, 82, 83 now, late 70s. I have several siblings. So as a little boy before he passed away, I got to watch the dynamics of all these relationships. And as a little boy, as all my older brothers and sisters were giving giving my dad trouble, you know, your kids eventually will grow up. And they will help you understand everything you did wrong. And they'll remind you everything you did wrong, what you could have done better. And I was in one of those moments at like eight or nine watching my siblings talk to my dad. And I'm looking up watching this whole thing. And I'm like, who in the world would want to be a father? This right here is crazy for anyone to go through that. It was grueling just for me to watch it. But uh, there came a day I just desired to be a father. There's, a, some, there's something that's in every man to be a father. And he's a father when he was born. There's just something about it. So I'm going to talk about fatherhood. Here are the instructions. My simple instructions are these today. Mom's in the room. I'm asking you to simply thank God for your children's father. So don't, you know, don't, don't get weird today. Don't, don't be mad at him. Don't, just give thanks for him. Because if it wasn't for your children's father, you wouldn't have him. You wouldn't have the children that you have. Can we talk? Okay. You would not have those children if it wasn't for him. So just give, just give God thanks for him, that God used him to bring those amazing children into your life. Children, I'm asking you to love and honor. I'm, I'm asking you to love and honor your father. Love and honor your father. And fathers, I just want you to, I just want you to listen to what I have to say today because I want to talk to men today. And lastly, I want to say, and it it may seem redundant, but it's not, everyone, everyone in the room, honor fathers. Whether you know yours or not, whether you like him or not, whether you love him or not, whether he's been a good man or not, honor him. Why? Because the Bible is very clear in that uh, everything will go well with you. And you'll live long. We're living in a society right now where fatherhood is becoming the real reason for everything else. And let me just tell you, folks, let me just tell you, and I'll just be up front with you. You cannot hire enough police officers to deal with fatherlessness. It's the father's job to know where his children are and what they are doing and who they are doing it with and doing it to. So fathers, I just want to talk for a few minutes. I am not blaming anyone. I am not, I don't want anyone to feel any type of way about it. I just want to share with you some things that um, I hope allows us and helps us become even better fathers. Is that okay? So Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 is a very important scripture as it's talking to fathers. And it, 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 and it, and it says, children, obey your parents. Obey your parents, not, not just your fathers, but obey the boat. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But it says, honor your father and mother. Honor them. Obey them, but honor them, which is the first commandment with a promise. So this commandment comes with a promise that if you honor your mother and your father, things will go well with you, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So one of the biggest reasons people die early is because resentment for their mom or dad. It leads you down a path that 
in some cases can be unrecoverable. We all know that in the kingdom of God, when he created it in the beginning, he named himself. God did not wait for us to name him. So don't let anybody get it confused. God is never called mama. I hope I'm in the right place. He never called himself mama, not one now time. He calls himself father. He is father. And he put some of us here to shadow who he is. And we are men. We're not used to be men. We're not trying to wanting to be men. We're not trying to change into men. We were born to be men. Now, though, in Ephesians 6 and 4, in Ephesians 6 and 4, this is the one I want to get to today. I want to spend my entire minutes just on this thought. It says, and you fathers, here we go. <laughs> Dad, do not provoke your children to wrath. It didn't say moms don't provoke your children to wrath. It says fathers have the ability to provoke their children until the children become wrathful. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I'm not provoking you to wrath. I am leading and disciplining you so that you understand what God lives like, what he expects from you. Because before too long, Joshua, you will be a father to a child. And your job will be to make sure that child knows God by looking at you. That's not the mother's job. When you're married to a strong woman, it can become a struggle for you. And you'll think a strong woman can lead your children in that way. She can't. It's not her job. It's not the calling on her life to be the leader of the household. You're such a traditionalist. I just read the Bible. It doesn't change with who's ever in the White House. It doesn't change when liberals say everybody can do this or when Republicans say everybody can do that. The Bible doesn't change. God is God. He, he said, I change. <laughs> I'm not changing, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm making you a male to put you in society and especially in your house to do some things in particular. Now, I like, I like what it says when it says, you can provoke your children to wrath. Now, let's read that from the Amplified Bible. If Ephesians 6 and 4. Read it out loud with me. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exacerbate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial, unreasonable. It must not be on the board. You're not reading. Or humiliating or abusive. Nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them. Come on. But bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the... This is a discipline and instruction of the Lord. So he says there are ways that me as a father, I can exacerbate my own kids. I can do that as a man. And because I am so ignorant, I have to tell myself these three things. I have to tell myself these three things every day. Now, now, and I, like Josh says what he says, I say what I say. I know I'm on, I know me personally, I'm growing as a father. I'm not a grandfather yet. Many of you already are. Some of you may be great grandfathers. I don't know. I don't know what that's like. One of my children are married. The other one is not. I, I don't know what it's like to have all the children married or with kids. I don't know about all that. But I do know this word, and my job is to stand here and tell you about it, whether I've experienced it or not. Yeah, That's my job, to tell you what he says, even if I'm not there yet. Am I making sense? 
So now, three things. Fathers are responsible for their children to God. Fathers are responsible for their children. You have to give an account to God. And, and uh, brothers, I love you much. But uh, uh, so while you're in here with me, because when I'm up here, I can be discerning. Just keep a straight face. Don't squirm. Don't get fidgety and weird. Don't turn to the side away from me. And please don't get up and walk out because I might be like the good comedian. Sit down. Where are you going? (laughs) But this is healthy for us. Fathers are responsible for their children to God. Fathers influence their children. You're the biggest influence on them, especially when they're mad at you all the time. (laughs) That means it's working. Fathers are responsible for instructing their children. We instruct them. We instruct them. We don't just teach them. We instruct them. We tell them what to do. Especially when they don't know what to do. When does that end, my brothers? Never. It never ends. Brother, you don't, you don't lose 50 pounds to look good. You lose 50 pounds and get your blood pressure in, in the right place. You get your cholesterol in the right place. You make sure your kidneys are taken care of so you can be there at 75 when somebody messes with your daughter. <laughs> that's what that's all about. No, I'm not sending the police. They come after I get there. So here are, I, I went to a, a great website, and they're going to they're put this up uh, in a minute on the screen, and I'm going to take you through some things how fathers can exasperate their own children. First Colossians 3.21 in your notes. So now, this is a father's nightmare. This is what we want to avoid. We want to avoid this, and we want to be intentional about avoiding this. And that's found, okay, let's just read it. Read it together. Colossians 3, 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they, they can become discouraged. They can become broken. Do you know that child of yours goes to a school where people, people are different and come from different households? And depending upon who your child is, what she looks like, what he, how he thinks, Everyone in that school, especially through middle school, they'll compare your child to theirs. And if your child's not careful, they will begin to compare themselves with their classmates. What kind of car mom picked them up in? Mom picked them up at all. I had to walk home. So now they'll begin to see themselves through other people's So now when they come home, you can't be fussing that the backpack is dirty. You didn't pick them up. They had to put the backpack down for a minute to wait at the bus stop. Then they had to put it down because you want them to stop by and get a loaf of bread on the way home. Yeah, the backpack's dirty. Y'all not hearing me at all. We can put our children in a place where they just become so tired, exasperated. It's too much. I can't do all that. I can't be your son and your husband. I can't be the man of the house, dad. I'll never get a chance to learn myself. If I'm leading the house, brothers just grunt. Yeah, just say, hmm. So this becomes an issue, an issue that we're all still dealing with, even the granddads in the room. We have to wrestle with this stuff because this is very serious. Now, if you go to this website, these aren't mine. Put them up there. If you go to the website, uh, um, calotis.com, I got these 15 things. Are are they all going to be? We got two slides or one? Two. Two slides. So here here are 15 ways you can exasperate your kids. Read them with me, brothers. Read number one. Abusing your power. We know, you got, we know you can discipline, but when you start abusing your power, this is going to be an issue. What's the second one? Not knowing your child. You, don't, you, you have to discipline the children according to who they are. 
You can't discipline them all the same. Three. Discipline without warning. You just, you just pull up on them. They don't know why you're mad, man. Something happened at work, and now it's being transferred to them. It's quick. It's sudden. It's a quick, sharp axe sometimes. And they didn't even know it was coming. Because I can't, I don't want to get stuck here, but I can't discipline my children about something I never taught them. Okay, four, constantly administrating harsh discipline. We don't need a first sergeant in the house. We don't need a commander in the house. We need a father in the house. And they can't see us as our job is doling out punishment and managing the punishment. Are we okay? Now, okay, I should have put one more rule in here. Children, children and our mothers and wives. Please don't use my sermon to beat your husband or your father of your children over the head. <laughs> I don't know why that happens to me often. I'll be in the hallway and someone wants to speak to me, usually a female. She wants to talk to me for a bit. Can, am we okay? Why am I keep asking y'all if I'm okay? And she'll say, uh, she'll say, Pastor Martin, Tell my husband what you said in that sermon. I said, I don't know. I don't even remember nothing. When I'm, I'm trying to get out of this. I'm not even telling her the truth. I just didn't want to get in the middle of their argument. She said, I told him. I bet Pastor Martin wouldn't do that. She says it in front of me. I bet Pastor Martin wouldn't do that. And I, and I looked at him, and I'm like, bruh, I am so sorry. That's the way it's supposed to happen. But I said, sweetheart, what did he do? What, did he do? what, what happened since we're here? She told me, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I've made that mistake several times. She didn't know what to do with that because she had never heard a pastor say he was working on stuff. I said, I have made that mistake with my, I've made, I've made that mistake with my own wife. I have misjudged situations and thought she was saying something she wasn't saying. And I punished her for my perception of what she was saying. So I've done that one. We're just working on it. Ladies, say this with me. I'm going to let my man work on it. Yeah, he's just got to, he's got to keep working. With the lady back, I'm going to let him work on him, but boy, I'm going to beat him over the head if he don't get it right. <laughs> when the time doesn't match the crime, when are you going to let me out of jail, daddy? When, when can we go play baseball? When can I play Xbox again with you? Six, playing favoritism. You love one child more than the other. Seven, withdrawing affection because you're disappointing me right now. Next slide. Huh? When, you're, when your yes is not a yes anymore, Dad. I, I don't know what to believe when you tell me. Nine, when you don't apologize when you're wrong. You don't beat the child for stealing something. You find out Joey stole it, and you don't come back and say, I'm sorry. Hey, son, it just happens sometimes. <laughs> Overprotecting them. Your children, as they grow, they want less protection from you. They want to be trusted. Don't take the T-bird away. They want to be trusted with the car. They want to be trusted with access. They want to be trusted to come home on time. They want to be trusted. Your son wants to be trusted to be in a tempting situation and not have sex. And, okay, should I... Turn the sermon into something. Okay. All right. What, what's, what's next? Embarrassing them, modeling hypocrisy, not listening to them, treating them as your friends. Can I tell you something? Some of our children are frustrated because dad wants to be a friend. Sir, if you need your children to be a friend, you need to find some golfing buddies. Fishing buddies, 
They can't be your friend. It doesn't work. So what do we do? I want to give you five things I encourage you to do. I'm encouraging you to do them. You can accept them, reject them, change them, totally up to you. But I'm going to suggest these. These are my things that I tell myself. These are, these are things I'm working on. Number one, number one, I have to do something. I have to realize how important I am to my children. When I realize how important I am to my children, some stuff I'm tempted to do, I don't do. I just, I just don't do it because I don't want my children to look at me. I get a lot of stuff from people. I get a lot of love. I get a lot of love from people and the next month they're cursing me out. I get that. But I don't want that from my kids. I could not live with that. I would never be happy with that. I want to make sure that I'm in the position to be father, right? So realize, so Matthew 27, okay, clear your throat, man. Are we still here? (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, Matthew 27, 45, watch this. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out and saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabrethani, which means my God, read it loud. My God, my God, what? Why have you forsaken me? Here's the only point I want to make. If Jesus could feel that, so can your children. My God, my God, why have you left me here alone to do this? I'm by myself on this cross. We know it had to happen that way. But if Jesus could feel alone, if he could feel vulnerable, if he could feel uncovered, if he could feel unprotected, unloved, understand that your children can feel that way too. And some of your children, because they're raised here, they're very sensitive to you. They honor you. They honor you as mom and dad. So they don't want to give you a lot of pressure. They don't want to put you in situations where, because they're in the house. They know what kind of things you may be able to afford and not afford. They can tell when you're struggling. They, so they try to keep a lot of stuff from you if they're honorable and not put that on you, right? But even in that stead, we can have children doing the job of what their parents need to be doing. I was raised in a home like that after my parents died. My sister came to the house. She became mom and dad to us. So I would say to my sisters all the time, let's not give Pearl any trouble. Let's not cause her any trouble. Let's not ask for stuff we know she can't afford. Let's do our homework. (laughs) Huh? Let's not have her come to the school. Sorry, I was the one. <laughs> I was the one. I wasn't, very, I wasn't very good at the math and all these other subjects, so C minus average. So early on, when my, when my mom and dad died, they were, uh, they, were prepping me, they were prepping me for the drugs and to put me in different classes. Y'all know what I'm saying. And so I was just, I wouldn't leave. I would stay in the classroom as a third grader, fourth grader. I'm like, no, I'm sitting here. I may be behind, but I want to learn this. I like the class. I just wasn't learning. I didn't know I was in a psychosis because mom and dad were gone. I didn't know about all that. I didn't know what the struggle was. So my sister's at the, she's at the, she's at the school like every day meeting with people about me to keep me off the short bus. And to keep the pill out of my mouth. That would have altered who I really am. We now, as fathers, we have to understand that our children can feel alone. They can. And it's my job to be sitting at my desk or wherever I'm working 
and discerning what my children are going through wherever they are. That's my job. What's, what's happening? Dad, why'd you show up at school? I just picked up some McDonald's. I just want to eat with you. I just came to eat with you. Let's eat some McDonald's. What happened? What do you mean what happened? Nothing happened, Dad. Say, so I don't get up from my desk because God told me to come see you because nothing happened. What happened? Well, Dad, this is, this is sort of what happened. Some teachers were helping me out, but I'm not sure what to do with this. Oh, this is why I'm here today. I said, I just wanted you to know I'm here. Are you going to tell me how to solve it? No, I think you're sharp as a tack. I just want you to know I'm here. Go and do what you got to do. Where are you going, Dad? I said, I'm going to sit right here in the principal's office till school is out. I'm going to be on this campus while you do your thing. And you go tell that girl who you are. And you tell her your daddy is up in the principal's office. <laughs> Y'all can't deal with me this morning. Y'all think I'm just a good preacher. Mm-mm, thuggish when it comes to my kids. Mm-mm. No, I don't need your job if I can't go to a football game. Now I'm sitting up in the office talking to the principal, asking him if he needs some volunteers for Special Olympics. My family would come serve. Why are you sitting here, Mr. Williams? I'm just waiting for Callie to come back and give me a report. Any of your teachers, do any of them need erasers or chalk or anything? You need to know I'm not causing trouble. I'm just, I'm just being dad. And I, don't, I may not be around to fight all your fights, but I'm going to teach you how to fight. When to fight and when not to. Come on, man. Say man up. You've got to be a father even when your wife is mad at you for being a father. This is just what you are and what you do. I need to move on. Point two is, here's my advice to you. I only got five short ones. Mature yourself. My advice to you, if you're leading children, make sure you're growing up. Because the, 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 the scripture says in Colossians, it says, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, in malice be babes. But in understanding be mature. So the best thing I can do for myself is mature in spirit, soul, and body. I do not want to try to live out my life through my son. I don't want to correct my mistakes through my daughter. So my job, if I'm going to lead them, I really need to lead me. I need to grow. I need to read. You know, men, you got to be around some brothers that don't like you. You got to have some friends. It's so uncomfortable. Why am I so uncomfortable in my own church talking to y'all? You got to be around some brothers who don't like you and they challenge you. I was with a guy, that, and you may have heard the story. We were best friends, grew up. Our mothers were best friends. We were best friends. But uh, in grad school, I found out he had a daughter. She was eight. And I'm like, you have a daughter you never told me? I said, when the last time you saw her? He said, a couple years ago. I pulled over, and I said, get out of my car. He said, what are you talking about? I said, we can't be friends. You have a daughter you're not taking care of? Riding in my car that's falling apart? I'm already struggling. I can't have, no way can I have a brother, a man in my car that has a child and he's not taking care of the child. He's not even involved in the child's life. How am I going to do that? It's just not going to happen. But I helped him. He got involved in the child's life. He's been there for her the whole time. Now we still ain't friends. Because I work too hard to keep my relationship with my wife and kids right. I can't have those kind of examples around me and I'm hanging out with them. What? Hanging out with a bunch of 
bunch of unresponsible brothers? Okay, I didn't mean to go there, but I did. (laughs) Grow up so that you're not a child raising children. Women, stop clapping. You have to stop clapping. You have to stop clapping. (laughs) You have to stop clapping. Because the more y'all clap, let me show the women what I see. While y'all clapping, the men are going. So just don't clap. (laughs) Know your heavenly father yourself so you can teach your children. Become complete in your own mind. Who are you? Who are you, Dad? What do you believe? What are your goals? What's your calling? What do you love? What do you hate? What's the real purpose of your own life? So now when you're involved in your children, guess what the conversations are? Hey, sweetheart, what do you love? What do you like to do? Where's your head at? No, we don't do that. No, she needs to learn who she is. And she'll never learn who she is if she's around a dad that's trying to force her to be something. I think I'm making sense. Number three, accept your responsibility. Accept it. Accept it. The, the Bible says in first, first Timothy, I love this one. But if anyone, if it, read it, guys. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith. Paul is wrong. Timothy's wrong here. I mean, Paul is wrong here. He has denied the faith, and he is. I'm like, come on, Paul. That's heavy. But most people get tripped up. On the word, provide. So the father is the progenitor. Everything starts with you. The seed starts with you. Women don't have seed. They have incubation. You're the seed giver, right? You're the progenitor. You're the starter of your generations, right? You are also the provider and you're the protector. We get mixed up in this word here called provider in this scripture. So I looked it up for you. You should do it yourself. Provider here doesn't mean make sure you're living in a 20,000 square foot house and have 10 cars and an airplane and a a, a condo in New York. It doesn't mean being wealthy. So you don't look at your man and say, you've not provided for this family because we ain't rich. You're not a good provider because I can't buy another pair of shoes. You're not a good provider because the children don't have what they need. No, it ha- provider doesn't mean money. It doesn't mean material things. If you've ever watched National Geographic, you should look this up on YouTube. I love it. I love it on YouTube. Just look up uh, uh, male lion and female hyena. This lion, it was so lazy. They're talking about the lion on National Geographic. He over there flies everything, legs open on his back, you know, flies everywhere, and he just just sleep. And they said, he's so lazy. He's so lazy. The lion is so lazy, right? He ain't moving. He not, and now the hyenas are harassing his lionesses and the cubs. So the hyenas are nipping at his, you know, the, the, the females and the cubs. And he's just over there, tongue hanging out, sleep. The matriarch of the hyenas comes and begins to harass them too. He's just still asleep. And the commentators are like, you know, male lions. They really need to understand what their purpose is. This joker lion, tongue hanging out, I mean slobbering. He jumps up. Grabs the hyena, I mean in two seconds, grabs the hyena, shook her twice, broke her neck, went back under the tree and laid down. (laughs) That's gruesome, isn't it? Sorry. She should have left his people alone. Well, that's what dad is. He's not going to exert power until he needs to. 
But if anyone is harassing his family, you might see another fella. Your calm and cool collected daddy <laughs> might show up as a protector of the family. This word provide is exactly that. Let me describe this word provide. This word provide means to have advanced knowledge. It means forethought. It means enabling. Listen to this. It means allowing for something to happen. A real father is in the house protecting it because he's expecting something spectacular. He is literally there. Okay, put up the first image. This is the, this is the picture most people see when they think fatherhood. They see a man cover, carrying his children. Look at that lazy boy sitting in the smiley face, ain't doing nothing. Most people, when they think of fatherhood, they see dads with their children on their backs walking through life. That could be a true picture in your perception. But here's a better perception of it. This photo. I'm, I don't have to carry my children. All I really need to do is cover my family. It's really all I need to do. That woman that had these children, she's better than a honey bun in the microwave with cheese on it. <laughs> Y'all don't like that. That girl, that girl that had that baby, you don't even know what you're dealing with. You're dealing with the power of the universe to take your little bitty nothing centimeter of a seed and turn it into a living, breathing, walking, thinking human being. That girl you have underestimated, she will make more money than you if you just cover her. That, that, that kid, don't worry about that kid. It doesn't matter if they're on the spectrum. It doesn't matter if they're labeled dumb. None of that matters. All you got to do is just cover them. Keep the rain off of them. Well, I'm not rich. My daddy had a sixth grade education. I have two doctorate degrees. But what if nobody covered me? Just be there. When they go in places, just go, just go with them. I don't like shopping. My wife shops on Saturday. That's what's getting ready to happen. This is getting ready to happen. I don't, you need a sermon? I got it. You need a sermon on Saturday. I shop, and the kids go with me. So what am I doing? I'm shopping. Well, I'm not shopping. <laughs> I'm just going when they're shopping. Just standing there, just being there. That's my job. I don't have to be smart. I don't have to be brilliant. I don't have to be rich. I don't have to have a degree. I don't have to have anything. I'm just staying right here. So if, if anything happens, y'all know where I'm at. My wife should not have to put a tracer on my ankle to know where I'm at. I don't think. So watch this now. If I'm covering, I'm just covering my family. I don't necessarily have to make anything happen. I just need to be here. What am I providing? I'm providing protection. I'm providing care. I'm providing a reality, this feeling that dad's there. And I plan to be there when I die. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're going to have to put my, man, my picture on the mantle. All of them. Because my great-grandchildren won't have to pay for college. 
Now, I can show spin that right now, but I got to do this. Some of us aren't second, third, fourth generation money. We're first generation trying to figure it out. So some of the stuff we may, men, look at me. Some of the stuff you may not enjoy yourself. But if you do this, your grandchildren will. And they'll thank God for you. <laughs> Come on, men. They'll thank God for you. They'll thank God for you. They'll thank God for your sacrifice. They'll thank God that you saved a couple pennies. They'll thank God that you had a will. <laughs> They'll thank God you left the house. They'll thank God also that you taught them how to fix a faucet. Let me get to these last ones. Study your children, men. Study your children. They're all different. Here's what the Bible says. And Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I may tell you, what am I going to tell you? What shall befall you in the last days? Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Listen to what he said. He said, you're my, you're my sons, but now I'm your father. Israel, I'm your father. That's the name change that happened to me shortly. He says, my name was Jacob, the trickster. The trickster. God changed my character and made me Israel. So he says, listen to Israel. Don't listen to Jacob now. Okay, men, you have any dumb days? Oh, three of y'all men had dumb days. You're a bunch of liars. Raise your hand. Did you have any dumb days, my brother? Dumb days. You did stuff. You glad you don't have to pay for it now. Right? Your sons might know that. They might know that, but you never teach them from that. You teach them from the man you're becoming. And don't let anybody make you ashamed in front of your kids about your old life. I'm here now. I'm a different person now. Am I making sense? Study your children. Why? Study your children individually. Why? Because Jacob was able to say, Reuben, you're going to do well. You're going you're gonna to do well. You're not going to do so well. These are your gifts. Those are your talents. This is what you're going to do in your future. He sat with all 12 of his sons and told them what their name meant, what they were called to be, what they were called to do. Each child is different. Every child is different. You got to study that child, this one. You know, how many of y'all got more, more than one kid and one child, one child, you really do have to discipline them hard. You got to be on them. You got to be watching what they're doing, right? And how many of you got another child in the same family that all that child does is watch what you do to him and I'm not getting in that. I'm not going to bother with that at all. I had two, and I quit after two. Josh is in trouble all the time. Callie is just quiet, just watching. And she would be like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to learn from his mistakes. But you got to figure out how each child works. Because you got one child you put in the corner. You give him a spanking if that's what you do. You take away the Xbox if that's what you got. And it don't bother them at all. They come out of punishment. They got their nose in the corner. They come out of the corner defiant. And you're like, what are we going to do? What am I, how am I going to deal with this child? When they don't change after your discipline, it means you've not figured that child out yet. You figure that child out what they really want, and you deal with that, or they straighten up in a minute. <laughs> they, they straighten up because you know them. You know your child, so you know baseball is not going to work. You know your child, so you know what kind of friends they need and what friends. They need. If you have a child that's amenable, you know you can't let her have certain friends. You put your son in the car, you buy him a car at 16 and he's out, he's going to pick up a friend. He picks up the friend, you got a whole son driving the car, your car, insured and everything. You got a whole boy. Soon as he pick up his friend, you got half a boy. Because this friend is a guy he likes. That friend suggests something. If he's really strong, your son going to do it in your car. 
When he picks up the second friend, you ain't got no boy at all. He's now under the influence of two of his friends. Don't look at your mama, Josh. Don't look at your mama. He's under the influence of two of his friends now. And he's probably going to do what they say unless he's strong. So you have to know your child. You got to know, my brother, if your child, as you, you're the, as their father, sorry. You got to know how they see you. Especially your daughters. You have to know how your daughter sees you. Your daughter needs to adore you and be scared of you at the same time. If she doesn't have those walls she can push against without falling. Okay. Come here, Josh. Now, yeah, Callie's not here. So daughters in a lot of ways, what they're going to do is push. Push. Yeah. See? Right? Now, okay, you're stronger than me, really. <laughs> so, uh, they push. Now, don't do it, but push. And I'm, I'm push. Daughters, when they push, and there's not a dad there, they fall. They're going to find a man. Football player, basketball player, some dude, somewhere. They're going to find a dude because she needs this. And don't let, don't let that little girl that's now shaving the hair off her legs and putting makeup on, don't let her fool you, brother. She's going to fuss with you, she's going to be mad at you, she's going to be mean, she's going to be hateful, she's going to be doing stuff, you just stay right here. Don't be affected. She ain't your friend. When she gets this, she'll know that when she's not around you, she won't be looking for no man. Because she believes she's got one at home. Am I all right? Thank you, sir. Men, do you know girls will push? <laughs> they will push. And then one day they'll say what Callie said at six. I thought it was cute. At six, she says, Daddy, I'm never leaving the house. I said, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I love you, Daddy. Oh, it's so amazing. She said it at 12. I'm never leaving the house. I'm like, oh, that is so interesting. <laughs> at 16, it's, yeah, it's like, what's that mean? Yeah, you, yeah you, you have to get married, girl. That's not what this is. At 16, she said these words, Dad, I'm not leaving the house until you bring a man to me that I can marry. And I said, now that, uh, I don't know what to do with that. I've never heard that before. I don't know what that means. I never heard of it. So uh, she graduated from college, and then she said, Dad, uh, I'm going to law school, but when I finish, I want you to bring him to me. And I said, I said this is getting serious. I said, I, I don't know who you like. I don't, I don't. She said, that's your job. And she said, you never should have taught me to depend on you. So she graduates and says, okay, dad, I'm not ready to marry him, but I need to meet him now. I need three years to work on him and let him work on me. I need, I need a few years. So who do you got for me, dad? I said, girl, I, I don't, I'm lost. I don't know. I don't even, are you serious? You cannot put that kind of pressure on your father. If I was Jewish or, or Indian or we could work all that out. <laughs> but that's not how our culture works. She says, well, you have to figure this out. So Marvin, a man with two girls. All you men with all these girls. How many women wish you had a father? during your first relationship.
Y'all see this? A dad that would have said, mm-mm, girl, mm-mm. He cute and fine, and he got that aqua velva on, but... <laughs> He got that aqua velva on. <laughs> he driving that nice car. That is not his car, sweetheart. Wrong man. He's the wrong man. But dad, he, he's the wrong man. I know cars and I know men. <laughs> he's the wrong one. You would have been mad at your dad, but you would have been glad after he went and married Susie Q. So that's our job, fathers. My last point. So study your children. My last point is this. Fight for your children's hearts. Fight. Fight for them to know themselves. Fight for it. Fight. Fight, men. Stay with your children and fight for them to know who they are. Fight for them to know God. Fight for them to accept their callings. Fight, fight for them to, to live expressively and not in fear. Fight for your children that they don't get stuck in other people's opinions of them. Fight for them to be able to think. Fight for, your, fight for your sons that they learn how, to, learn how to stand on their own. Fight for your daughters that they are confident. Fight. Stay there in that fight. Let them know, I'm never leaving this fight. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm not walking away. Whether I'm getting along with your mama or not, I'm not walking away from you. It's just not going to happen. Say it with me, men. It's just not going to happen. Let me tell you why. The Bible says, the Bible says, now watch this, men. In Malachi, in the, in the last days, God says, I'm going to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. And I'm going to turn the father's hearts to their children. If I don't do that, a curse will come upon the earth. We're living in a time now where God is turning men to their children. And now the children are turning back to their fathers. Daughters are going back to their dads and saying, this part of growing up was hell to me. Can we fix that now? <laughs> Can we work this out? And a non-proud father would say, I, I made so many mistakes. Thank you for forgiving me. I asked for your forgiveness. I didn't know how to do that at the time. David had three sets of children. Three sets. He had children while he was just out here being a kid. He had children when he was at war. And he had children in peace. When he was out there doing his thing, those children ended up killing one another. One brother raped his sister. The other brother killed the brother that raped the sister. The kids born during war, Absalom tried to take over his father's kingdom. Y'all with me? The children born in peace were the ones who took over his kingdom. So brothers, we have to have children in peace. Y'all don't even understand what I'm trying to say to you. You have to have your woman, your wife, your wife, your wife, your wife, 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 not girlfriend, not baby mama, wife, marry her. Well, I don't have to get married. There are a lot of women out here. It's now 10 women to one man. You ain't a man yet if you think like that. Women, you're clapping again. You're not supposed to be clapping. Marry that girl. Have children with her. 
and fight like heaven to stay in that house. Is it going to be easy, Pastor Linnell? Mm-mm. It's not. There are going to be some days you want to leave. There might be some days you should leave. <laughs> Get a hotel. <laughs> and just stay up in there for three or four days till you can come home. But the plan is always to come home. <laughs> I think. We need to get rid of this distinction between the word dad and father. This is my child. By DNA it is, but you only see the child once every four or five months. You're not sending any money to the mother. That is not a father. You sleep under the bridge in a box but you send that money to that child well I don't trust their mother forget that we already jumped that shark I'm sorry you jumped that shark you had a child with this woman I told that boy sitting over there right there I told him to his face I said if you bring a child into this world and you're not married to the mother we shift everything to the child. You're not getting college. You're not getting down payments on the house. You're not getting nothing. It goes to the child. And I'm going to be there with you driving to go see the child. Every week, you got to go see the child. Every week, I'll pick you up, take you. I don't care if you get fired from your job to go see the child. I'm being hard on y'all this morning. You are a father. Well, I'm a dad. What's that mean? I stop people. I'm like, what do you mean you're a dad? What's that mean? Well, yeah, I have a child. Oh, you do. Well, where does the child live? Oh, you know, I'm not sure. Or in Sacramento or something. How often do you see the child? Are you supporting the child? Have you, have you, have you, are you an umbrella? Do you, do you have college ready for the child? Are you taking care of the child's mother? No, I don't even like her. You can't love a child and not like the woman. Something wrong with you, brother. Something's wrong with that. If I give the child money, that means the mother's going to use it. Who else is supposed to use it? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just... The child ain't got no bank account. <laughs> the child didn't ask for this. I'm almost done, brothers. Oh. Give me 60 seconds. The child didn't ask for this. The child is a product, sir, of your intelligent decision. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Okay, so, so come here, my family. I'll end. All y'all. All y'all. Get yourself over here, Vanessa. Yeah, I don't. Well, how many fathers does Vanessa have now? She got two. Yeah, we're not doing all that. Mm -mm. This is my job. Now, if... If they want to come outside of this, that's up to them because I can't chase people in a lot of different directions. But if they stay under this, that prophecy that Pastor Nell gave me, it'll happen for all of us. 
I don't have to be special. I don't have to be smart. I don't have to be rich. I just need to be here. Put the last three up there, then we're done. Fatherhood is the foundation for the blessing. I know. Fatherhood is the foundation for the blessing. And this is the word hood. 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 The definition of hood is this. It's a flexible covering for the head and the neck. The hood. The hood is a covering for an animal's head or eyes to keep them calm. A hood. But lastly, a hood is a covering for something important. Like the engine of a car. It's under the hood. And your family should be under a hood, my brother. 